Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of The Doctor and the Dork. This is Frank here with Olivia. Hi everyone. So this week we have a guest on. His name is Tyler. Uh, he's going to be appearing at the end of the podcast. Well, I should say after our week in review and us talking very briefly here because that runs on for a little bit. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy that this week. Um, I know Olivia and I certainly did. So uh, let's uh, get into our week in review, I guess, real quick. Olivia, you yeah. want to take it off? Yeah, I think it's going to be more of our weekend in review, which is <laughs> all right. So Friday, it took us a while to remember what we did a whole few days ago, but we finally remembered. Yeah, and- you guys ever have that problem where uh, you're sitting there trying to think and you're like, there's a solid four-hour gap of my life that is missing, and I know I did something, but I have no recollection of it? Well, that was the both of us today, trying to think of what we could have possibly done truth but uh so to kick off our weekend we went to the front porch brewing company and i was really hoping they were gonna have strawberry crop circles i think that's what their brew was yeah called. that's but that really good one we went there in november when we had that so maybe i still got a few more months but we had a nice flight they had a ton of sours so if you like sours get over there we had a delicious yeah, finger one. guns that was the name i of that didn't one. like finger no? guns frankie finger guns was <clears> his favorite my favorite was that Beer Jareen. Oh, no, what that was, was um, where we can't even remember where we went yeah, on Friday. There's it's no something way. tangy, but it tasted just like a creamsicle slash mimosa. And by the way, they're based out of Wallingford, uh, Connecticut, right off of Route 5, guys, in case you didn't know. Again, the name is Front Porch Brewery. Definitely worth a stop in. They have a nice mix of beer and uh, table games and um, what you want to call it, uh, old school games like the. Was it the Nintendo 64? Yeah, I don't know if and... they had those right now during coronavirus. No, season. you know, that's probably put up. But they have the board games yeah, still. Yeah, so that's were still they, they have a TV. Games. They put, like, uh, good TV shows on the whole time. Or yeah, classic movies. movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then after there, we headed to the Cider Mill. Falling for no, cider. that's What's the New called? England Cider Company. New England Cider Company. Yes. We got a flight of cider. Let me tell you guys, if you've never been, the flight of cider for two of them will run you about, I think it's 11 bucks a flight, which sounds expensive, but you, you get, get six drinks. Yeah. yeah, you get six drinks on each flight, and it was worth it, I have yeah. to say. I like their flight. Honestly, that was one of my favorite times, getting a flight. Yeah, because like, they're all place. so pretty. It's a very picturesque flight. There's so many different flavors. My favorite was the strawberry, which I guess isn't surprising since I wanted the strawberry <laughs> beer. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think. You like even... the black currant one? Yeah, the black currant, and um, there the was another blueberry. Was okay. Yeah, yeah their, their flagship one, the the freshly blend or fresh there was blend. One that was not great, but oh, the watermelon. watermelon. And I was so excited because you know I love a watermelon margarita. Well, the watermelon was supposed to be raspberry. I thought no, the no, strawberry. No, strawberry was supposed to be raspberry. raspberry. Yeah. yeah, So it was the watermelon one was not that good. No, but, but besides yeah, those... that, I mean, five out of six, you can't. Yeah, really that's complain. not too bad. No, th- so guys, they're also based out of Wallingford, Connecticut, conveniently right up the street from Front Porch, so you yeah. can do a little brewery hop right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, of course, pool and axe throwing right in that area, but we didn't do any of that. No. Um, this past week has been very bland, I have to say. Yeah. We did go out, though, um, <clears throat> on Saturday for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there eventually. Okay. We went to Texas Roadhouse, to which... 
we put our names in ahead of time so we figured there was going to be a long wait because, you know, with this whole corona thing, all the restaurants have to space out their table six feet and, you know, like prevent the spread of these respiratory droplets. Let me tell you guys, Texas Roadhouse <laughs> is the place to be. It is popping in that place. All right, look. Ain't no six we feet. We showed up <laughs> and they were like, yo, it's less than a 15 minute wait. You call, you do have to call ahead. So you call ahead, get your name on the list. And you show up and they're like, we'll let you know when to come in. They text your phone. and But that took maybe, what, three minutes? There were also still people waiting inside that little waiting yeah. area. So we got people – everyone's got masks on, right, except for the people at tables. Mm-hmm. But Texas Roadhouse, let me tell you, they used this as an excuse. They got tables all over the outside in the parking lot. They had every freaking table in that place packed out with people. They have like a little <laughs> piece of like – it's not even plexiglass, I don't think. It's just straight up window panes yeah, between It was each. just, they put a window pane on the back of every booth, guys. This shit was hilarious. We went in there and I was like, really? This is, because you got other restaurants that yeah. are literally, they won't let anyone sit unless it's outside. Yeah. Like the cidery place that we went to, their only yeah. seating was Texas outside. Texas Roadhouse had everyone in there. That shit was packed. If you're a waitress and you aren't getting enough tables where you work, let me tell you, it's time to move over the to Texas, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was a... I want to say that was uh, it was refreshing, honestly. Yeah, you got to you got to be somebody though who was willing to take on that kind yeah, of experience. Yeah, if you're worried it wasn't for everyone, that everyone's going to give you coronavirus, that's not the just place stay to home. be. Just stay. This was not the place. They for had you. a manager though there that was really killing it. He was at oh all God, the tables yeah. every five seconds. He was you can there. tell he was a manager. He was a middle aged dude, had the the um, salt and pepper beard. And uh, he was just motivated, though. You know, normally you got, you know, your waiter or waitress. And I don't want to call them unmotivated, but they do their tables. Yeah, that's all they got time for. Exactly. They don't have time to be checking on other yeah. people's tables. Like, not their table, not their problem. But this dude went down the line hitting every table. Yeah. And he would be like, is there anything I can get for you? You need a new water. You need a new thing of biscuits. Or the, Always the, need oh my rolls. God. You, those rolls are amazing <laughs> there. But let me tell you, that was just the experience. Yeah. I 10 out of 10, Texas Roadhouse, <laughs> you're killing it. You're paving the way. Everyone in there is going to get COVID, but I tell you what. <laughs> they are the gold standard of what I want right now. <laughs> That's a packed restaurant with a bunch of people eating steak. <laughs> So I think that's basically all we really have from our week slash weekend. Yeah. So I think at this time we're going to roll right into our pre-recorded interview with Tyler. So hope you guys enjoy. Give us a shout, Tyler. How's it doing? Uh, it's doing well, guys. How's it going? Um, I'm Tyler. I uh, went to school for a pharmacy in Buffalo. That's where I met Olivia. Yep. And uh, we worked at the same hospital hospital together as interns, and uh, I've moved out here to start a pharmacy residency, and that's how I met Frank. Yeah, yeah he's so recruited onto our stellar <clears throat> podcast. I know we have another person on the pod finally. Uh, you know we've been trying to do this forever, so <laughs> I think it's just because I check both check boxes. I, I'm both a doctor and I am a major, <laughs> major dork. <laughs> Well, let's jump right into it this week. So we're going to start off with our dork segment. Um, I know we usually don't do it like this. We normally do our kind of our week in review. But, so we're going to start off with the dork segment because uh, 
Just recently, I've gotten back into my board game life, and I was just talking to one of my coworkers, uh, Brian Bujak, if you're listening. Uh, I just found out he plays Gloomhaven, and as it so happens, our friend Tyler here also is a big, a big Gloomhaven fan, um, which I know nothing of this board game other than the fact that it takes literally about 200 hours to play through. So imagine that, people. Monopoly on steroids for 200 hours. Only nothing like Ugh. Monopoly. So. <laughs> Wicked so break it down for me, Tyler. What is this game, and is it worth getting into? Okay, uh, so Gloomhaven is a couple years old now. It has a pretty hefty price tag, probably around 120 150 bucks. Okay. But, as you said, it does take about 200 hours to play. Now, if you've ever heard about Dungeons & Dragons and maybe have been interested in something like that, it this is similar... But not quite. You don't need a dungeon master or someone running the game. You have a book. And inside the book, it um, has about 100 different levels. And each level takes about two hours to play when you get a group of friends together. Okay. Um, How many people are we talking here? uh, You can have... You could honestly do one person. But uh, you can play up to four the game allows for okay and i honestly recommend uh more people the better uh nice to have just a bunch of friends over the only issue with more people scheduling issues gotcha all right and <laughs> so it, they came out with a dlc too like a or another game uh sure so uh it's it's another game it's technically the sequel it's Frosthaven, and Frosthaven uh is very similar to gloomhaven so is it out already Uh, yes and no. It's kind of hard to describe, so I'll get into that a little bit. Um, the concept is you start with six unlocked unlocked characters, and as you progress through the game, you can unlock more, kind of like a video game. Okay. A hundred different levels, and as you play some levels and make decisions, you actually lock other chapters and unlock other ones. So out of the 100, you might only have 70 available to you based on your choices, which also grants replayability. Um, you level up in the games, they have their own save system, it's a video game, basically come to a board game. Okay. And as for Frosthaven, it exists and it doesn't exist. Um, Isaac, uh, the creator of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, released Frosthaven on Kickstarter a couple months back, so prototypes for Frosthaven exists. We got some basic models, some basic concepts, kind of a general idea for the game. But it's not but, out yet. No, absolutely. Okay. Um, the only way you will be getting a copy currently before it hits the stores... This is a prototype? It is if you uh, backed it on Kickstarter a couple okay. months ago. So, dude, is there a time frame for when that one comes out? Um, I'm not quite sure. I've not kept up to date with my emails. All but right. I will tell you one interesting thing about Frosthaven. Uh, it broke a record. Mm. Which one? So, um, in three weeks that it was on Kickstarter, this game has become the most funded board game ever on Kickstarter. That's it. Ritz replacing Monopoly for me. Uh, In three weeks, 21 days, this game raised just shy of $13 million. Wow. Okay, we're definitely in the wrong uh, If you fields. gave to the Kickstarter, do you still have to buy it when it comes out, or are you covered? No, you're covered. Yeah, okay. oh. So I, I've got my copy on the way, <laughs> in the mail, as soon as they ship them out. How All much, right. Was there a set amount you had to give? 
Um, basically just covering the cost of the actual game mm-hmm. and then um, shipping. And you also get the Kickstarter exclusives, so you get more content for the same price than you would if you wait oh, for it okay. to hit the market. Gotcha. Well, that sounds like it's worth it. Yeah. All right, so I just want to go over as well, what's your most anticipated board game that you're waiting on? Because I know you've got a backlog of stuff that you're looking to get. So what? <clears throat> maybe not something that's coming out in the future, but something that's new or coming out in the future that you're really after. Uh, Sure. So, this is both new and old. Um, It's from one of my favorite board game companies of all time, Awakened Realms. Uh, They're based out in Poland. I have a couple of their games, including Lords of Hellas and Fall of Avalon Tainted Grail. One of their older games, called Nemesis, is a space game, and it only takes a couple hours to play. But essentially, it's the movie Alien in a board game format... But oh. also with several different types of aliens. So you're not... Multiple times that you replay the game, you can swap out the alien races, and the alien races have different abilities. Your characters have different abilities. And I'm excited to get that old. And then new, they released a sequel to Nemesis. It's it's still Nemesis, but it's like Nemesis Lockdown. So okay. that is going to be coming in the mail. Got it off Kickstarter as well. Oh, that sounds interesting. I might have to look into that. I'm a big Alien fan, as I've said in earlier podcasts. But, um, all right, the last thing I got for you that I, I'm really quick, you know, I always ask everyone is, what is your favorite video game? Because that um, is just a staple. I, you know, Olivia's got her favorite three. I've got mine. And, uh, I mean, there's just so many to pick from. So what do you, what do you, uh, what did you used to play or what are you playing now? Um, well, favorite video game of my childhood, definitely Pokemon Fire Red. Yes. Played that for probably close to 600 hours. Favorite games now, hands down, easy, the Borderlands series. Yep. I love the art style. I love the action. The comedy cannot be beat. And I will freely admit that there are scenes where I have absolutely shed tears yeah, playing yeah. that game. Borderlands 3 was a whole lot of fun. I don't know what my... Fa- I think 2 is my favorite. Oh, 2 is by far the best. Yeah, I think 2 really was like... Because <laughs> it brought some of the original characters back. It had a whole new cast. And the storyline was completely playable again. For like... I think you had to play it like 13 times. You had to beat the game. Uh, I don't think it had to beat it well, 13 to times. Get the, to get the advanced uh, levels... Because I remember every time you beat it, you then got to play through on, like, a different right. difficulty tier, and it kept unlocking um, newer and better stuff. There's, like, extreme vault, true vault hunter mode and, like, ultimate vault hunter mode. So I think it was only, like, three times, but no, that, that's no, there accurate. was God, what I'm trying to think of. Mm. There was something else, too. I haven't played it in years. I haven't played it since I was in the Army, and that was one of my buddies. I was He had it, and I was playing with him. But there was there was a playthrough <laughs> thing. I forget what the hell it was exactly. We'll never know. I know. I'll have to look it up for next time. <laughs> but so Borderlands series, that is... And we were just talking about Pokemon last... So we were asking people uh, what their favorite Pokemon game was. So Fire Red. Uh, I was a 95 baby. Uh, parents were not big into the video game. So I had to wait for that third gen to come out I don't to think, get my uh, first uh, Pokemon game. I don't so. think any parents were a fan of 90s kids. Because <laughs> my parents definitely hated that I played video games. So... 
But all right, guys, so I'm going to hand this off to Olivia and Tyler. And I'm going right. to take the back seat and relax now and probably munch on some candy or something. Oh, you be lucky a bum. duck. I'm jealous. <laughs> so I think uh, to kick off the doctor section, Tyler, you know, since he's a super smart and intelligent pharmacy resident, is going to give us a little update on a new antibiotic we should all be excited about. Um, I, so <laughs> I wouldn't be all too excited about it. No. I am thoroughly excited about it because it works. Yeah. It has a novel mechanism of action. Okay. Which I just think is really cool. But I love more of the nerd and the science mm. part of it necessarily more than the therapy part. And just the fact that it's a new antibiotic yeah. with a new mechanism. Very rare to is have very cool. these days. Very rare, actually. Yeah. All right, so tell us a little bit. What's it called? How's it work for the layperson out there? You know. Okay, uh, trying to keep this uh, as simple as possible. Uh, the drug name is Cephadericol, and it belongs to a drug class called Cephalosporin Antibiotics. Mm. Now, in terms of how it works, um, I like to refer to it as the Trojan Horse Antibiotic. Mm. So you have iron in your body. And this drug kind of binds to the iron in your body. Mm -hmm. And then the bacteria in your body that are infecting you also need iron in order to grow, develop, divide, and cause you harm. Yeah. So the bacteria will take up the iron, which Mm -hmm. has this uh, bound antibiotic to it, bring the antibiotic into the bacteria yeah and then release the antibiotic from the iron to allow the antibiotic to do its work and fight the infection gotcha so basically it's like a hijack in the system in order to get into the bacteria so it is a a free ride yeah it is the greeks and the (laughs) iron is the trojan horse all right that's fair any uh, side effects patients should be worried about or clinicians should tell their patients if the off chance they're actually getting this drug uh sure so basically if you are getting this drug yeah it means you have no other antibiotic options Mm -hmm. and that likely your antibiotic or that your infection it's pretty, pretty deadly, and this is essentially a Hail Mary. Yeah. So if you ever actually need this drug, mm-hmm. you're kind of going to be in dire straits yeah. until we have a more, I guess, tried and tested way of establishing this into therapy. Mm-hmm. So that said, since it's a Hail Mary drug, the adverse reactions, while there are many, just like many drugs... It's either suffer these adverse reactions or risk death, to be mm. quite honest. Uh, some of the most common ones are cardiovascular. There's a new onset atrial fibrillation, which can occur. Mm. You can get a little peripheral edema, so kind of swelling. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of water fluid buildup in your uh, limbs, most commonly your ankles. Peripheral edema? So peripheral meaning periphery, far away from you, edema meaning swelling. Oh, so, all right, limbs swelling with water. Okay. Uh, That sounds super uncomfortable. There's uh, (laughs) skin rashes, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, uh, can occasionally cause blood to enter the urine. Mm. Um, A lot of other, like, hematological side effects, which I won't necessarily get into. But honestly, compared to a lot of other drugs, these side effects are... 
not as frequent mm-hmm. as some of the other side effects where it's like, if you give this drug, this is going to happen in 50% of your patients. Yeah, and like you said, you're in a pretty already, you, your options aren't great. So in order to weigh the risk and benefits, the benefits kind of, your chance of getting better is worth that risk, essentially. So it's uh, the only chance you got. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, the, the side effects I uh, described, yeah. even the cardiovascular yeah. ones, I'm sure you can agree, the ones I listed yeah. compared to what is possible are actually kind of mild. Yeah, that is true. Do you have this on formula at your hospital? How oh. do you hear about it now? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, absolutely absolutely does, not. Uh, we do not have it on formulary. On formulary for the common person means that it's readily available that uh, physicians can prescribe it freely Mm -hmm. this drug is very expensive and like i said we only use it as a hail mary we have it as a non-formulary drug so to get approval for this drug a physician needs to reach out to the infectious disease team which is comprised of other doctors Mm -hmm. other pharmacists and other members of the infectious disease team, gotcha. uh, they will analyze the patient case themselves because yeah. they are experts mm-hmm. when it comes to bacterial infections. Yeah. And based on their group combined judgment, yeah. they will give um, clearance to use this drug in this patient. Gotcha. All right. That makes sense. The next thing I want to talk about, which I know I didn't tell you about beforehand, so we're really riding by the seat of our fans, is uh, just having a conversation about drug shortages. So I don't know if in the hospital now if there's a list of drug shortages you're going through, but I remember when we started working together at our hospital in Buffalo, I feel like that was really just the start of drug shortages. And I know when I did my residency, that list just kept growing, and I feel like now it's probably even gotten longer. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of drug shortages. I know uh, one drug in particular, it typically is used to help with um, gastric reflux, uh, mm-hmm. Pepsid or the generic famotidine. Yeah, do you know why? Did you know ranitidine was recalled? I, I did know about ranitidine uh, so being recalled. that's probably recalled. why famotidine now is on like a peak and it's being used up like it's going out of style. Yeah, which <laughs> leads to a significant drug yeah, shortage. that's true. Uh, that. I know that we've had some opioid shortages in the mm. past, actually. Yeah. Um, but that was more, I believe, from states cracking down on opioid laws dictating how much can be manufactured. Mm. And then the manufacturers basically had to... Uh, distribute them to places that I wouldn't say needed it the most, but it really put them had the highest demand or something. Yeah, like uh, really limited the supply in certain places. Which, if you're a surgical hospital and yeah, you need opioids true. for pain management, like I know our prior yeah. hospital was, some of those opioids shortages, you yeah. were using other drugs to help control pain, you know, what and I you really think- had to adapt. I think a lot of that shortage, at least when I was doing my residency at my hospital, was because there was a big recall on those carpet jet. Oh, yeah. There were like glass fragments or something getting into them. Yeah, especially the epinephrine ones and the sodium bicarb ones. Yeah, which those were bad because, I mean, during a code, you're not trying to figure out how to dilute epinephrine in the middle of a situation. Wait, wait, wait. Glass fragments? Yeah. Yeah, so these, the, the idea is pretty cool. So think you've got like this tube right, that it's filled with your drug, and then you've got this, the plunger, essentially, and what you do is you screw in the plunger, so it comes separate in the box, you take it out, you've got your tube 
full of drug and you've got your plunger that you screw in and they're they're both made out of glass you screw in your plunger and now it's ready to go it's a syringe loaded ready for action but sometimes those glass fragments based on the manufacturing process i'm guessing their chips get into the glass and that mixes with the drug in there and you go to inject it and now essentially you're injecting your patient with glass shards now to be fair I'm sure it's very rare that that ever happened, but like once it happens one time, you it's not like the FDA is going to be like, eh, let's see if it happens a few more before yeah, we make oh a recall. God. The the <laughs> last thing you ever want to do is an inject a patient with actual shards of glass into their bloodstream. Like mm-hmm. that is just catastrophic. So yeah. in terms of the recall, was it devastating and really hurt supply? Yes. Mm -hmm. Was it necessary? Yes. And did we have ways to come about it? We absolutely did. I know, at least back at Kenmore, I know this was after you left the hospital, Mm -hmm. for sodium bicarb, we just switched over to vials. Mm -hmm. We threw in some alcohol syringes. We got some manual syringes. So it would take maybe an extra 20 seconds to draw up the medication rather than it being already pre-manufactured in this tube that you can just twist and push. But that extra 20 seconds to ensure that there's no glass in a patient, uh, it was worth it. Let me ask you a question I'm just curious about. Did um, our old hospital in Buffalo, did they have indexin at alpha on formulary for reversal of intracranial hemorrhages secondary to like Reva or Apixaban? Um, I believe we did have a Dexanet Alpha. I thought they never used um, it, we were supposed to, but I remember that we oh, had... Was on it was another one. It was, was on shortage, shortage for a while. And I remember that we had one patient yeah. that might have needed it. Uh, and the second they might have needed it, yeah. um, we actually put a call out to our sister hospital, uh-huh. which, um, since it was low stock, a uh, shortage, mm. we only kept a couple, yeah. uh... Little supplies, because we didn't want to have a massive stock, Mm -hmm. which would then go to waste and get expired. So we, as soon as there was a hint that we might need it, we reached out and got some over. Ah. The patient did not actually end up getting it. We were able to give them K-Centra, just due to the time of the bleeding. But, um, yes. Uh, Was it available? Yes. Did we have it readily available? Not necessarily due to the shortage, but yeah. we had ways to get, that, it, to get it to the patient in a timely manner so yeah. that it would not have affected patient care at all. Makes sense. All right, that's just one of those newer drugs that I'm kind of interested in. When I did my residency, it was mm-hmm. like only a handful of hospitals had been selected to try it, so it was like right on my way out that they'd finally open the gate to let other people at it. So I was just kind of interested about that. Um, the last thing I'm interested in um, is, ha- do you do any IV compounding at your residency, or like, are you going to have to? Uh, currently, no. Um, I think it's going to be very similar to Kenmore, yeah. where only techs and interns are going to do the IV compounding, gotcha. because it's more important for the pharmacist to check. Gotcha. Now, I know over at Smilo, the oncology yeah. center, mm. um, I'm not sure if pharmacists are involved in the compounding process. Yeah. I still think it might mostly be technicians, okay. but um, it's completely pharmacist oversight, um, basically watching them to make sure they compound the product correctly. Yeah. Um, 
So I honestly don't know. If it if it does come up in my residency, I've been doing it for the last four and a half years, and <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to knock it out of the park, I believe. But That's um, fair. I've been wondering how they've been handling like the lack of PPE in those situations, you know what I mean? Well, there was a lot of lack of PPE at the start of the coronavirus. Yeah, but they're but, catching um, up. Yeah, from my understanding, especially as uh, the New England area has been improving, yeah. um, the shortage that there was in the beginning, we've kind of have caught up. So mm-hmm. we're no longer, I know back in Buffalo, we had a one mask per shift mm-hmm. kind of policy. Yeah. And while masks are still, I won't say in sh- necessarily in short supply, but not as bountiful as they once were. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can now have outside approved masks just on the general floors. Yeah. Still need the specialized ones for the IV room. Yeah. And you're still kind of conserving them. But the need for PPE, well, still great. And I don't want to downplay it. Yeah, yeah. There is still a need for PPE. Um, we are not at pre-coronavirus levels. Gotcha. It is... Not as extreme as it was back at the end of March, beginning of April. Oh, we have caught bad. up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so Good. it sounds like you guys are just playing catch up, though. Uh, in New bad. England, maybe, yeah. but I won't speculate to the situation yeah, like down in I'll Florida, well, you can. down in California. <laughs> I'll say it. Those the country is losing its freaking mind right now. I'll give a shout out to right Connecticut, now. though. Dr. Fauci gave us some big kudos on our Yes, yes, he did. We're doing so. Pat ourselves on the back for that one. We're better uh, than the rest of the country for once. <laughs> but it does worry me because Florida, Texas, yeah. California, they're now experiencing... COVID yeah. levels similar to the New England area at the start. Yeah. And from my understanding, uh, their need for PPE has greatly increased. And um, they're no, now going to, through extreme conservatory mm. methods, to yeah. preserve the PPE. So while we might be good up here, yeah. nationally, we're still kind of in a pickle. It's wild just to think about, like, I remember being an intern at our hospital, and it was like, I'd go in the IV room five times a day, and every time I'd rip off my my hat and my mask, and I'd throw it away, and without even thinking I'd put a brand new one on. Like, yeah. <laughs> what a waste. Balling out. I'm more using one mask a, a month. <laughs> a I think Yeah, I think I'm on my second mask for COVID. Like. <laughs> Do not but, recommend that. All right. But, well, uh, yeah, I think that's all the, the yeah, I think that's all we got this I week. Got. You got any, uh, final remarks, Tyler? Thank you for coming on to the podcast with uh, us. Yes. Final remarks. I just want to thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure talking both dorking out about board games and um, also doctoring out, doctoring out about <laughs> uh, medicine. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk to you next week on episode 11. Um I have no idea where we're going to be at that time. Maybe uh, we'll have some camping stuff then. Maybe. But uh, we'll talk to you then. We're going to go get some dinner. Have a good night, guys. Bye.